What is up, Lex City, and welcome back to Spokecast. Today on the podcast, we have Blue Styley, an author, motivational speaker, martial arts expert, actor, and model. But before we get into any of that, let's read the ad. Main Market Food Co-op founded in 2010 with just 700 member owners. And in these last 13 years, it has become a vibrant part of the downtown Spokane community with over 9,000 member owners today, with a focus on equal respect for its consumers, producers, and the environment. Main Market is dedicated to offering you the highest quality foods with the smallest footprint while supporting the strength of our local food economy. It's a full-service grocery store with a bakery and a deli, and Main Market Food Co-op is your one-stop shop for all of your grocery needs. They have a produce section that features local in-season fruits and veggies, while their bulk department offers a wide selection of teas, spices, grains, dried fruit, and snacks. They also have an impressive selection of refrigerated dairy and the largest selection of local eggs you'll find in Spokane. And when it comes to their deli, Main Market has you covered with everything from an extensive salad bar to a breakfast bar to a lunch bar, and they make four made-from-scratch soups daily. And to top it all off, they have a full-service burrito bar. So whether you're looking for a delicious meal or a well-stacked grocery store, Main Market Food Co-op is the place for you. Go visit them today at the corner of Main and Brown in downtown Spokane. This podcast also could not be done without my amazing Patreon supporters, and here they are. Joe Van Voorhis, Elizabeth Geyer, Abby Pointer, Lee Wick, Gina Campbell, Tyler Poole, Sarah Thorpe, Judy Pointer, Amber Sparks, Luke Baumgarten, Valerie Osier, Nick Spanger, and Elizabeth and Bill Pointer. Again, thank you all so much for being Spocastonites. If you want to become a Spocastonite and support what I'm doing here at Spocast, visit patreon.com backslash Spocast. Well, joining me on today's episode, I interviewed the remarkable Blue Styley, a true master of human connection and a an amazing motiv- motivational speaker. Uh, in the podcast, Blue, he takes us on a journey through his beginnings here in Spokane and and we just dive into his formula for success. Uh, we get into his uh, diverse experiences as a, as a young entrepreneur and, uh, in junior high here in Spokane, as a business owner, as a college student, as a martial arts expert, uh, as an international actor and model, and, uh, and as a devoted father. He is really his unconventional techniques have really enabled him to build just extraordinary relationships and thrive in just a multitude of arenas. And we, it was just such a great conversation. I've never left a, a well, that's, I shouldn't say I never, but like after the podcast, I just, I felt so energized. I just wanted to dive into his book, The Sum of Four, which I have to admit, I did not read in preparation for the interview. Uh, but but we touched on his book, The Sum of Four. It's a, it's a book in which Blue reveals a winning formula for building extraordinary relationships and achieving your aspirations. And, uh, and, and we're going to dive deep into the book, Sum of Four, in a follow-up interview after I read it in full. And if you are interested in joining me, you can purchase his book, The Sum of Four, 
on his website, bluestyley.com. That's S-T-I-L-E-Y.com. And if you use the code SPOCAST when you check out, you're going to receive 30% off uh, the costs of the book. And uh, and I, I got to say, like, after you listen to the interview, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, he's just a ball of energy and just a really, really, really nice guy, very humble, very caring. And uh, I, I just, I, I loved every second of my conversation with him. I cannot wait to keep on connecting with him and learning more about the sum of four and, and what that means. And, uh, and I, I, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, it was, it was, a, it was cool. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, I'm very, very excited for you to listen to it, which, which is why I'm going to say this right now. I will not keep you any longer. Here's our guest, Blue Stiley, author of the sum of four motivational speaker, martial arts expert, actor, model, and a devoted father. And husband, this is Spellcast. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this conversation, Blue. Uh, I thank you for joining me on Spellcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) This is embarrassing, but you reached out to me about oh my gosh, like probably five months ago, and I think I I I probably didn't respond very quickly and. And then you sent me the book, and I you sent me your book, The Sum of Four. I, I sh- no one's gonna really see this, but you know, in case I use it as a clip, sure. th- they'll see it. Uh, and I'm, I'm very just. You grew up in Spokane, right? Like, were yep. you born and raised? Born and raised. Born and ra- yep. what, what hospital? I always ask that now. Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart. Okay. Yep. Uh, and you lived part for part of your life in the Han house is uh, it's yeah. known as a haunted mansion up on uh 17th Avenue, right by, uh, uh Franklin elementary. Philly. Yeah. And yeah. I used to mow that lawn, <laughs> which is, and, that, and then my, but my wife grew up on 17th and Mount Vernon. Uh-huh. And I think you were a part, kind of a part in age, uh, but she had two sisters and, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's funny how, I mean, we probably, I mean, you, when did you? When did your parents sell that house? Oh, I think I was I was probably twelve years old. Oh, okay, so maybe nine, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so I was born seventy-seven. Okay, and then uh, I actually mowed the same lawn except with a push mower. Was the oh wow? So it took a little longer than a regular. Well, that <laughs> this 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 house has a humongous like I don't know like a couple acres front yard, yeah. and then like the hillside was just like couple tiers and it was it was treacherous to mow and but I couldn't ever imagine mowing it with a hand mower your parents just must have really wanted to like instill like something in you <laughs> or they didn't want to do it themselves actually. <laughs> right. Right? but I did learn how to uh, golf off the the top of that oh nice yeah, so. in, in the, into the into, into the, the fields. Field. That's, right. that's awesome. And the fireworks shows from there were pretty epic as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, back when fireworks were allowed around like town, and I I moved to Spokane in '91 mm-hmm. when I was like in second grade, and I that was like I think one of the last summers that fireworks were even allowed in Spokane, and I just remember all of Spokane just like, and then that '91 was also the year that um, firestorm happened. Sure. Um, sure. If you remember that, oh yeah, it was yeah, Ferris you, High School, and yeah, and I think a lot of the 
a lot of the South Hill was without power for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where did you, you, so you went to school all throughout in yeah, I Spokane? Went to, I went to Franklin, which was right across the street from my, uh, my house. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, went to Libby, which then became, I believe, Chase. Yep. Uh, yep. Up on the South Hill, a little bit up on the 29th or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, I went to Ferris. What did you do at Ferris? What was Ferris like for you? Ferris was awesome, actually. Uh, I loved it. I was uh, not a rich kid going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did get picked on. I grew up with the name Blue, obviously. That's super <laughs> easy to get made fun of. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, you know what? I made so many great friends there. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming back here, because we were on, on the west side, I've, I still have all of those connections. That's and, awesome. And high school for me was really, really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. That's a- So... I, did you do sports in high school at all? Mm-hmm. I played baseball, uh, but my main sport was karate or judo. Okay. Um, and that was not a, a school sport, but I, I definitely played baseball. Um, and didn't, but uh, getting into karate, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be able to say it like you. I, I, right. But uh, people would kill me if I mispronounced it, <laughs> right. knowing that, that, that my level of degree on that. So, so and that was a passion that you learned from your dad. Was he, was he into that? Is that my dad liked judo? Judo, okay. Uh, and uh, it started off. I was picked on and oh, okay. bullied. I mean, mm-hmm. think about how many ways you can make fun of my name, right? right? Mm. And uh, I was uh, every day. I would walk home from school about the two or four blocks that I would walk, mm-hmm. depending on my my route. And I was picked on a kid who lived right by me. Oh man! And uh, he was older and bigger. And I would. It was basically like Christmas story. Yeah. Like I would try to avoid him every time. Mm-hmm. And he, he scared me so bad, and he said, I'm going to kill you one day. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I ran. Yeah. And when I told my parents, they were like, well, maybe walk away. And I'm like, did you not hear me? I said, I run away, and it still doesn't do anything. And uh, my dad and my mom did one of the most amazing things. They uh, introduced me to my martial arts instructor. Mm. And uh, when I met him, I had no idea that he was going to be the man that changed my life forever. Wow. But that's exactly what he did. He wasn't wearing a name tag, and he didn't have, like, this giant sign with these flashing lights behind him or anything like mm-hmm. that. But he did that by connecting with me and bringing me into his community, yeah. which was a dojo, and then making me see what my value was, mm. right, and showing and listening to me and hearing me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that absolutely changed my life. And that was when I was 8 years old, and then I started at the uh, police academy as well, doing judo there. Oh, wow. Um and uh, martial arts has just been my my jam ever since then. You could, as a child, you can take martial arts or judo at the the police academy. I don't know if the police academy still offers it here. Okay, yeah. Um, I that's a good question. Yeah, uh, because that's it, interesting. Yeah, I actually teach uh, and taught over on the west side close quarter combat tactics with different police units and mm-hmm. such. And um, I don't know about Spokane anymore, but it was such a great thing for me as a kid. Yeah, uh, being able to go there and, and do that. But then my uh, my karate instructor had his dojo over here on Monroe Street. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Judo is like throwing, right? Yeah. yeah it's a lot of like, uh, it's like def- defensive. Yeah, it's yeah. wrestling while standing and then yeah. getting down with and, a gi on. And, and you were bullied because your name was Blue, obviously. But like, were you also a small kid? Did you have a lisp? I, I was a little overweight. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I had a mullet and uh, <laughs> I thought that I was uh, uh, a G.I. Joe guy. I was always wore camouflage and yeah. I just got made fun of. And another reason is people thought that I was, that I was rich because oh, I had a huge house. you lived in the Hun house. Yeah, yeah. I lived in this giant mansion. But if you ever went into that house, you would see how dilapidated it was, right? Mm. So it's like me telling you that, oh, I have this giant, I have, I have a sailboat. Yeah. Well, 
let's think of the context behind that because what if that sailboat is in a field with moss and trees growing through mm. it, right? It's like people understood that I had this mansion that I lived in, but it was it was quite the long Yeah. So we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. It was just I happened to live in that in that uh, home. Wow. Uh, I was also bullied in high school. Not high school. Well, in high school, yes, but in elementary school when you when you said that story of like running home every day like I took the bus to and from school and so I'd always get off right in front of my house but there was these kids on the bus that just always just always wanted said the same kind of things to me like I'm gonna beat you up uh and I would just get off the bus and I'd go inside my house and lock the door and and I had a really bad lisp as a kid and I couldn't say my R's and my name's Brennan Pointer. Mm-hmm. And um, that You're was doing over. great now, though. <laughs> right. No, I, I took a lot of speech class, mm-hmm. classes when I was in high school. And I really wanted to break through that, you know, my speech impediment. I, you know, I took speech therapy. I and I think and I just grew up too. I got braces like that helped out a little bit, um, got a little bit more confident, uh, got bigger. I mean, I was always a big kid. So I got I was six one and it was at a, at a pretty young age. And. And so, but I still was always very concerned about bullies. Like even in high school, like I always felt that the kids that bullied me in elementary school still were going to bully me in high school. And sometimes they did. Mm -hmm. And because I was an easy target and, uh, and I was never really good at, at a, at comebacks yeah, yeah. yeah how quick you are <laughs> not at, very quick witted. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, so in high school, I wanted to talk about this. You you had a childhood friend, Adam, who challenged you <laughs> to give up fast food in high school. And I was thinking, con- like... I love con- that you brought his name up. He's going to kill me for this, but go and, ahead. And, well, it's in your book. It's in, mm-hmm. the, it's in the forward it of is, your book. It is. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, or I guess in the in the thanks part of your book. Yeah. And uh, this is like... In, in context, this is like in the 80s. So like... Yeah. Not every... Oh, Mc, McDonald's McDonkey's was, was like the thing, right? <laughs> right? It was, and... He just, he came up with this idea. He goes, Blue, I have an idea. I want abs. He goes, let's uh, let's not eat McDonald's anymore. Let's just cold turkey quit. And so wow. we did. And uh, it was just a, I think a couple of days later, I was walking through one of the main buildings at Ferris. And as I was going downstairs, he was coming upstairs and he had a McDonald's bag. And I was yeah. like, Adam, what are, you, what are you doing? And he goes, what? And I go, we quit McDonald's. He goes, well, this is breakfast. This doesn't count. And I was like, <laughs> no, no. And so anyhow, I've yeah, over... Uh, Gosh, that was when I was 15 years old. I quit. So it's been a while. Wow. 30 years. No you, you, haven't, you, you haven't eaten McDonald's Not since? at all. That's Not amazing. At all. Good for it's you. Hard. When I worked construction, all the construction workers were like, we're going to McDonald's. I was like, yeah. oh, man, the hard thing to give up was that soft soft serve. Yeah. Was that like just a switch that like made you uh, like get into shape or like like did that like this no, change th- you like like your mentality of how you looked at your health, like anything putting, like that. Putting a goal down is pretty is it's easy for me. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like I set mm-hmm. a goal and like ah, I can I can overcome that. I we can have food in our pantry and I will never ever touch it. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But if I open it, that golden grams is in trouble. Right. Like I will just <laughs> d- destroy <laughs> that. Just box. eat a whole pack of it. <laughs> exactly. There's no pack. It's a family style box. <laughs> right? um, but no, I've always just been able to do that. And uh, part of that is uh, was my martial arts instructor just saying like, you know, what is your goal? What do you want to do? And what is your intent and purpose behind that? Mm. Anything that you're doing along that way if it's not adding to that goal yeah why are you doing it yeah and so when i when i think of things like that and i say this to my clients when i speak all the time it's like what is your purpose like what are you doing what is the intent behind what you're doing and anything that you're doing along the way if it's not helping you get there Mm. it's wasted 
Totally. Right? It's wasted motion. When I throw a punch, if I do a circular motion punch, that's wasted motion. Quickest way from point A to point B, mm -hmm. straight line, right? And yeah. so that's with any of your goals that you set too. Wow. So that's been easy. Yeah. So after high school, I mean, what did you, were you an exchange student in Japan? I was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I went, uh, so I, my dad uh, was an international lawyer, but mm. he was based out of here in Spokane for um, uh, a, a drug attorney and for um, labor and industry. Mm. And uh, but he traveled a lot and he did a lot of international stuff. And so I was as a kid, I was able to travel a lot, which mm. was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and after high school, I lived in Mexico mm -hmm. uh, and I worked as a dive master for a dive company. And then uh, I worked on uh, when I when I was down there. My host father was like, hey, you know, use some of your Japanese that you know from your karate background yeah. and judo background and try to get these clients. And so I did. And I realized like, oh, well, I want to learn a third language. Yeah. My Spanish was good. Mm -hmm. And Japanese wasn't that much different uh, as far as like the sounds, right? Because it's the same vowel system. It's mm -hmm. like a -E And uh, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get into a good Japanese program. But the I looked online and I was like, they did have computers back then. Um the, the greatest ones were uh, NYU, Hawaii University, and UW. Okay. And since I was paying for my own college, I decided to stay in state. Totally, yeah. So then, yeah, I, I moved over to Seattle, uh, went to UW, did international uh, business in Japanese. Okay. And then uh, from there, I was lucky enough to get into an exchange program and go to an Ivy League school in Tokyo. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And everybody, whenever I meet a Japanese person and they're like, oh, where did you go to school in Japan? And I, I say, they're like, what? How is that possible? I go, it, it was just luck. It wasn't because I had this like great brain or anything. Right. It was it's just like, our exchange. Like an American going to Oxford. Exactly. Yeah. Or Harvard or, or something. Or, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I went over there and I, uh, then I did economics over there and I, I still trained in karate and martial arts and such. It was awesome. Did you spend, I mean, so have you spent... A, more time in Japan, like, or is that like just the the maps? No, I, I worked I worked there at Mitsubishi Starbucks. And oh wow! Then uh, I went to college there, and then I was on the college karate team, and I trained at the world headquarters for our, our karate and at the Budokan for judo, and um, it was just one of these great life experiences that I so wanted to achieve. Yeah. Ever since I was eight years old, I wanted to be a ninja. Yeah. Right? Because a ninja in the eighties, being a ninja was pretty cool. No, totally. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything was ninja. And everything was Japan too. I don't know if you remember that, but everybody thought the Japanese were going to take over the world. And right. Everything yeah. from video games to like yeah. uh, comics and anime and everything. It was like, whoa, Japan is all it. And so I wanted to learn Japanese, and it was I went over there to learn uh, business Japanese, go to a business uh, school, yeah. and then train in martial arts. And that's exactly what I did. I hit my goals. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. So after you're done with that, what did you do? Then I came back uh, to the States. My, my work visa ran out and mm. my college was over. Yeah. And I thought I wanted to be an international corporate lawyer. Mm. Uh, I kind of wanted to follow my dad's footsteps, but I wanted to go to the corporate side. I grew up watching L.A. Law and I was like, <laughs> whoa, I want to make a lot of money. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I really wanted to do that. I so badly wanted to do that. And I don't know if you ever took assessment tests growing up. I probably did. I, 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 but I don't remember. I don't remember how I, what I did, how I did well, I, or what, like <laughs> what they told me I should be. <laughs> sure. Well, I would always try to skew them. I'd be mm. like, okay, oh. I'm going to skew this. I want to make money. I want to do corporate. I want to be like this business person. Yeah. And every single time it said, you're going to be a teacher. Oh man. And I was like, what? I, <laughs> Teachers don't have, make any money. Right, you see stand and deliver and lean on me. Like I do not want to be a teacher. That's funny. But, um, when I got back, I started, uh, 
someone told me I should teach karate at all the gold's gyms oh, while okay. I was there. And so I did, but in order to do that, I had to become certified as a personal trainer. Wow. Um, for insurance purposes. And I loved it so much. In the first two months, I beat all Gold's Gym records nationally, internationally yeah. of sales. And I was like, well, this is actually something I'm having so much fun. And I was teaching people. And it was neat because I was taking a unique stance in that I was bringing my martial arts background with my fitness background and my sports background mm, and right. kind of bringing them in together. And that was kind of my selling point. Totally. You know, in there. And then um, ever since I was a kid, I was very, I, I, I could easily connect with people. Mm-hmm. I had a unique way of connecting, which kind of in a, in a roundabout way made me write the book too and realize that it was like um, the ability to connect with people is so important. And mm. my friends are always like, how do you navigate no? Like we can go into somewhere and someone can tell you no and some way you're able to get the yes out of them. Yeah. And so my friends were always like, how do you do that? And I just started writing down those things, you know? And uh-huh. it was just like, and that's what I speak on all the time is overcoming that challenge. That Just overcoming the no. Overcome, yeah, yeah, navigating no, finding your way through any challenge mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of going through that. When's, a, when's a, an example of someone telling you no that you can, and you like, you got the yes. Oh, man. Like, it, a, like you probably have a ton of stories and I probably... Oh, I do. <laughs> just because you brought Adam up, I'm going to bring this story up. We okay. went into... Uh, and, uh, to North Town, right? It's North Town? Yep. Uh-huh. Because in Seattle, we have North Gate. Yep. So North Town and uh, went into like a Macy's or something like that. And uh, I was buying all these coats and I needed an overcoat for our, our karate class, right? Like mm-hmm. when it's cold in winter, it's really cold. And so I grabbed it and I had a coupon back when they had real coupons <laughs> and it said, you know, coats. And so I went up and I started to pay for it. And the lady was like, no, no, this doesn't work for this. This isn't a coat. And I go, well, what is it? What defines a coat? And she goes, it has to have a zipper or a button up. And I'm like, you mean like this little zipper right here? <laughs> and so I found a loophole behind it. And he always brings that up. He goes, I cannot believe you got that discount on that coat. That's awesome. So, uh, and like, so when you were at Gold's Gym and you were teaching martial arts, you also like, I didn't really under, like you won a couple of like uh, Seattle training trainer awards yeah. or like and Gold's Gym awards. Yeah. So like, I. I <laughs> I uh, happened to be the, the personal trainer of the year for the Gold's Gyms. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, personal training sales of Gold's Gym. So like oh. in the first two months, I realized that I had something. Right? Yeah. I, I had this ability to connect with clients. And mm-hmm. I was bringing something that most trainers were not bringing. Yeah. And that was my ability to make a real relationship with Totally, someone, yeah. Right? An extraordinary relationship. Yeah. Because it is a two-way street. And I had to be – it naturally – and my martial arts instructor did this to me. His name is Roby Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he did this with me. It's like he got down on my level, yeah. You know, and he saw me for who I was, and I could do that with my clients, and that was that was the selling point. That was definitely a niche for me. Totally. Well, I will say, like in the times that I've ever done any type of training, if I don't connect with my trainer, I I, I just it, it kind of just goes away. Yeah. And if they if they think as me think of me as like just another number or someone that's it's like it's. Yeah, you can, and you can tell, because like I'm a that. people person too. Like, if you're not gonna connect with me, like, there's not gonna be much of a relationship here. And I imagine at Gold's Gym, like, considering it's you know a pretty low cost of entry, and I, I don't know if that actually, actually was true back in the day. I, don't, I really don't actually. I, I want to say it's probably thirty five bucks a month or something. <laughs> right. like that. I just remember when jo- Gold's Gym rolled into Spokane, there there was one on, on the, the South Hill. There's on the South Hill and on the North Side. The north Side, yep. And that's the one that I'm familiar with. And yeah, it was like. But 
I worked at the C. Yeah, I was in Seattle. But yeah, the, the Seattle. Mm-hmm. But I could imagine like if you're going there and you're getting this amazing as a you know going there to work out and you're getting this amazing experience training with you like mm-hmm. that is very important because it's the cost there is, oh, is a, yeah. Well, and people would ask me all the time. They're like, "What is a? Are you going to be a good trainer for me?" Mm. Right? And it's like because one size does not fit all. And people will straight up ask me. They're like, "I want to." train for a marathon. Mm. And I was at, at that point, I'm like, I'm not the trainer for you. Yeah, I, I have no, I could use you as a number and I could take your money. Right. But there are specific trainers for that or pregnant totally. women and such. And it's like, I had to, I was able to do that. You know, I mm. could relate and I could tell you straight up, I'm not the trainer for you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you wouldn't go to a dentist without teeth, right? <laughs> you kind of got to live the part too. Totally. Right? Yeah. And it was really funny because a lot of trainers now are in their late teens in their early 20s and they look like that because they're in their late teens right. in their early 20s right so if you're not <laughs> jacked out of your mind on steroids or something like that most people want to see how did you get that way yeah and how do i get the result that you have right totally yeah and that is what a great mentor is yeah and that's uh, most of my speaking is on about surrounding yourself around people that have a skill set that you don't have that hmm. can inspire you and that can be a two-way street with totally. you, right? And mm-hmm. um, it was just like, oh, I can connect with you because I've been you. I've been overweight. Right. I wasn't a good-looking kid. I didn't have this. I know what it's like to overcome fear. I know what it's like to be bullied. And it's like mm. the ability to relate to people because most people are average, right? Yeah. And so it's like being able to see that for what it is, it really it really helped. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. I, I want to, before we get into the second part of this interview, I want to talk about modeling and acting because it yeah. comes up in your bio uh and so is this during the time when you're uh a martial arts instructor at gold's gym like how did this come about how did no. you how did you get with uh the agency and yeah. like do because like what kind of modeling and acting did you do so i was uh i was scouted oh, okay uh-huh. the the old scouting uh term and uh i was asked to come to an open call mm. and so uh seattle model skilled out of seattle yeah, uh, I went in for an open call, and they met me, and uh, they took me on. And the first job that I ever cast for was for a Levi's campaign, oh. and I landed it. Oh, wow. And I was like, this is awesome, right? Like, yeah. I'm going to make so much money, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm glad I didn't because I didn't <laughs> land anything for, like, 15 castings after that. Oh, so wow. that was my first job. It was yeah. my first one. I, it was my introduction to it. And uh, from then on, it was I've done it over 20 years. I'm mm. a commercial actor. Uh, I do a lot of modeling things. Uh, and uh, it's just been a great life for me. I've traveled the world and met so many people, and I have so many experiences, and I still do it. You still do it to this day? Yep, yeah, I still do it. You just, they, yeah. like, you just have an agent who, like, books gigs for you yep. or, like, says, like, hey, yep. I think I have something for you, mm-hmm. and that's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have multiple agencies, but my mother agency is based out of Seattle okay. still. Still, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but whether it's L.A. or, or International Munich or, or Hamburg mm-hmm. or anything like that, um, having a German background or being German is, it kind of helps with the German mm. market. Yeah. So Florida and South Africa and uh, Germany were, were really big for me. Totally. Um, but, yeah, no, I... I I, I loved it. I uh, it got me so many different experiences. And have you uh, done any movies or anything like that? I was in uh, the Surrogates with Bruce Willis. Oh wow! Uh-huh. I was a, a robot that dies, um, and uh, that's the only Hollywood move. That that's I've like a done. recent movie, right? That was probably fifteen years. 20 oh, years? okay. I, I feel know. like I'm thinking of a different movie, but it sounds. But 
I wish I had been a diehard, but I wasn't. You know, I'm one of the bad guys. <laughs> right. that. uh, that's so cool. Uh, I, I mean, so that was just like a kind. Of, it's kind of just something you've been doing, and you keep on doing just because yeah. it's just well, yeah. Well, <laughs> ironic. Uh, the funny thing about that story is people they're like, "How how did you get into it?" And when I was 12, I was watching the A Team, mm. and uh, this commercial came on for Bowflex. <laughs> and it said, if you send away for this VHS tape, you know, we'll, we'll tell you all this. And so I did. And about two weeks later, I was watching it. And my mom came in and she said, what are you doing? And I go, well, I, I want to look like this guy. Yeah. I want to look like that guy. And she started laughing. <laughs> That's amazing. That was the funniest thing. She goes, Blue, that guy does not look like that because of that machine. He is a paid actor or model. And oh. they are paying him to do that. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so... I realized two things. One, I was not getting that for Christmas. <laughs> and number two, how awesome would it be to have a job like that? Totally. Right? And so uh, it had always been in the back of my mind. So when I was scouted, I was like, oh, maybe I could do something like totally. that. Totally. And people have asked me, like, what are, what are your, what's your favorite job? And I have a lot of favorite jobs, whether mm. it's traveling or uh, I did a Walmart commercial where I flew in a military Huey helicopter. I mean, it's like some obscene, awesome, like, like yeah. gigs. And uh, people... But I can always revert back to the best job. And that was I got direct booked for a job in Portland. And I went down and I went into the uh, uh, the filming studio. And I walked in and the director and the producer were there. And they're like, hey, I don't know if you knew this, but Nautilus has just recently purchased Bowflex. And oh. so what we're doing is we're doing the next Bowflex campaign. Wow. And underneath the green light was <laughs> this new Bowflex machine. And he goes, take a minute before you go to craft services and do hair and makeup. Uh, and then we'll get you on. I go, perfect. And so I walked outside and I called my mom and I said, guess who the new Bullfox guy is? <laughs> That's amazing. So, That's such a cool story. Yeah, That's yeah. like... The, full circle. Uh, full circle. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> so I uh, I, I just, I, I've fallen in love with it and the ability to, to do that. It's kept me in shape and yeah. I met so many Do you many still use people. a Bowflex? You have a Bowflex no, at I don't, home? No, I don't. <laughs> my wife and I, we have our own gym. Okay. I, I had a studio over in Seattle actually. Um, but my wife and I uh, recently built a home uh, in Liberty Lake. Yeah. And uh, we, we have a gym and we use it all the time. Getting our kids in there is a little hard, but, right. but we love it. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Well, I should ask, like, during all this time of traveling and living in Seattle on the west side, uh, how often were you coming back home to Spokane? Like, were your family, was your family still based here? So my uh, my dad passed away about four years ago. Okay. Uh, and he wasn't even living here. Just all of my childhood friends okay. were still here. Yeah. Um, my mom moved uh, to, see, uh, to California, mm. where she's from. Both my mom and dad, uh, they were down in Santa Cruz. That's where they met. And then... Uh, my mom moved up to California, back to California, and then she moved over to Seattle. Mm. Uh, and then uh, every once in a while, I would I, I had my own karate dojo uh, in yeah. Seattle, a martial arts studio. Um, and I would bring my students here to train mm. with my martial arts instructor here. And That's so awesome. we would come back at least like once every two months, yeah. you know, and then I would have my friends that I would come and visit. Wow. Uh, well, before we get in, yeah, the next part of this conversation, I want to I wanna do the Spocast hot list where I... I'm going to ask to say one word Bring questions it. and you're going to say the first word that comes to your mind as it relates to Spokane. And, you know, since you were here back in the eighties and early nineties and, and even now currently, like you can say whatever comes to mind, like even Bigfoot. if the, even if the place is defunct, exactly. <laughs> uh, I said Bigfoot. <laughs> that, that still exists. <laughs> and the Bigfoot Tavern. Yeah, yeah it, does, it does. So, uh, park. Ah. Uh. Lincoln Park, because I lived right next to it, mm. and I walked all the time. Manitou, just because it's beautiful, and my kids absolutely currently love 
Riverfront Park, but yeah. we live right by Pavilion Park, and it is phenomenal in Liberty Lake. Yeah. I haven't been to Pavilion Park. I should, yeah. We you were, better remedy that. Yeah, I should. Uh, coffee. I didn't start drinking coffee until well after I worked for Starbucks in Japan, uh, in, in Tokyo. Uh, and I would say just Starbucks, honestly, but my wife can make a mean uh, espresso shot. So mm. I'm going to go with my wife. Nice. Uh, that's funny. I, I I do like it's funny how we how national I mean international Starbucks is and how it was used to be so just kind of local. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, music venue, the Gorge. Yeah. Uh, beer. Well, you could shake my family tree and bottles will fall out. So alcohol has never been my thing, mm. honestly. So I just okay. don't drink beer. No worries. Uh, artist. Spokane artist. I'm, you know what comes to my mind right now are is um, I believe his name is Dave Gordare, Govdare, and mm. he did the running statues for Boomstead oh, yeah, yeah, down yeah. from Park, and then the 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 horses, the horses. Over on the way over to yeah. Seattle. And I, I, I always, whenever I see that, I just always think of Spokane. Yeah, um, I, I I believe he recently passed away too. I, I do too. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, he's in a, he he's done some amazing stuff here in Spokane. Uh, that's a that's a that's a that's a deep cut. Yeah. Uh, burger. Burger Master back in the day. Ooh, where was it that was, at? It was on Sprague. Uh, it was huge burgers. Mm. Um, I loved that. I love. It was like a drive-in. It was a drive-in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then there was the Paul Bunyan Burger. Yeah. Over in Coeur d'Alene. Yep. I loved that. Currently, I, I don't. My wife, my family loves Five Guys, so we go there. Okay. Uh, shopping. Do you remember university? Uh, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember university. Mall. I remember they had a Disney store. Oh, in they it. had a KB before that. Oh, and they had a, oh wow a KB. Yeah. That I used to love that. Um, I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Yeah, no, I, old school. The, I think the, it's a U-Haul place now. It, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I missed this one. Uh, sh- sweet treats. I I am not a sweet guy. Yeah. Uh, I love sweet tarts and uh, mm. Skittles, mm-hmm. and that is that's my go-to. That's your go-to. My my family loves soft serve ice cream, mm. loves it. So any froyo places, is, yeah. we end up going there. Uh, breakfast or brunch? Oh, Frank's Diner. Oh yeah, hands down. I still will love going there. What do you get? What's your order? Oh, I get like that blueberry diamond dollar pancake set <laughs> with. with Bacon and eggs. Mm. That's oh man, the best. it's making me hungry. I'm I'm currently not. Stop it. I'm not currently not eating carbs. So like I'm like that is making me very like hungry. <laughs> Sorry, we'll avoid that question. Well, now next question is pizza. <laughs> pizza. I I loved Lincoln Heights Pizza Parlor mm. back in the day, and yeah. I, I think it's a church now. Um, yep, it is. But uh, yeah, I I loved that. And in high school, it was all about like pizza pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, my wife loves a place over on. Uh, it's not. It's it's not Otis Orchards. It's uh, it starts with a V, and we go there a lot as okay. a family. It's Vespelli's or something like that. I don't oh, know, okay. but it's over in the Liberty Lake. It's, in, it's not. Or, it's Orchard not Versal- It's not. Vers- That's it. It's Versalia. That, yeah. Versalia. Oh, they, I didn't know they had a place out there. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, I, and that's great. Yeah, because I, there's I one it. over in Kindle Yards too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, great pizza, great thin crust pizza. Um, neighborhood. Well, I love Liberty Lake. Yeah, no, I, I fell in love with it. Growing up as a kid, it was it was about South Hill. 
mm. uh, up on uh, the 29th. I love that just as a kid, just being able to run. Because you remember the day yeah. when you could go out before it got dark, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you're just out playing. And yeah. that was fun. But we love Liberty Lake right now. Liberty Lake's really, it's a, it's grow, like the fastest growing area in Spokane. And, or in our, I mean, it's almost, it's its own city too, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's a great, it's a great spot. Uh, event. I love, and I don't know if they do it anymore, the uh, pig out at the park. Oh, they do it every okay. every year. They, I it, they, will bring my family that. We just got back about a year ago. Okay, so we yeah. Haven't, we haven't done all of the Spokane things in yeah. Houston, but the pig out at the park was really fun. So was the the fair. Yeah, I think pig out in the park last year, oh, maybe they did it in 21, um, but I feel like last year might have been the first year back after COVID. COVID. So, but yeah, no, it's bad. And now they have, and they've always had this, is, you know, I think everyone thinks of pig out in the park as like you go and eat food but like there's a yeah. ton of music which is there's a line there's a lineup for the entire weekend so and there's a lot of good a lot of good local acts to go see have you been to bumper shoot over in seattle i have not i've always wanted to go i just have never i've never taken the time or have just you just never lined up or yeah. the artists that i wanted to see i just didn't want to see them that bad <laughs> right well it used to be free oh really it used to be free because that was is that the the seattle science center right yeah yeah and it's it's uber expensive now yeah but uh since you brought his name up i'm bringing adam out again we uh went over there we're on our way uh i think to mexico when we flew in and my friend who was one of my martial arts senpais which is like a a, a black belt above me mm. right she was like she got tickets for us and we went down there and we, we put the little bands on and uh, he turned to me, Adam turned to me, and he said, are you excited to go to the show? I go, yeah. I go, we have Third Eye Blind. And he goes, yeah, but live too. And I go, no, no, no. We're going to see Third Eye Blind live. And he said, no, we're going to see live. And so that was oh. one of the greatest 90s bands for me. Yeah. No, totally. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so unbeknownst to me, we saw live and Third Eye Blind. That's right amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, so that was back. Oh, yeah. I feel like Capitol Hill Block Party used to be, I don't know if it was always, if, if it was free ever, but I feel like it's one of those play things now too, where it's just like you got to get tickets. It's mm -hmm. like everything's ticketed now. Mm -hmm. Every they, once they figured out how to do that, everything kind of absolutely became not free anymore. There's some good things around Spokane that are still they try to make free. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I feel like what what was the one? This is the last question, but like, yeah. what was the one thing you missed about Spokane when you were away? Uh, just the. The connections that I had, mm. I didn't realize how great and small of a community is. Because, I mean, yeah. people forget that Spokane is the second largest city in, in Washington. Right, yeah. Right? You think, oh, it's got to be Olympia or Tacoma or something like mm -hmm. that. But it is Spokane. Yeah. And I I was blessed to grow up here. And that was one of the things, like, when when uh, uh, I came back, we have property over in Idaho. And my wife and I came back, and I just ran into a lot of my friends. And, and she turned to me, and I said... You want to move out of Seattle. Like, are you really serious? And she said, yeah. And I go, I know you wanted to move to Spokane, and I know I've been against it, but <laughs> would I think I'm, I'm there now. Yeah. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And the reason was is because of the connections and mm. how the community that we had. And we just we fell in love with it again. And uh, I, I'm so happy to yeah. be back. I, so I should. this is where I was going to kind of go with that is, when you left Spokane, like, was there any disdain for Spokane or was it like, I'm going on to bigger and better things or like what, like, I know, I know a lot of people who have left Spokane and came back and a lot of people who did leave and they left begrudgingly and sure. then they came back. 
And they're like, I don't know why I hated Spokane so much. But like, what yeah. was your experience when you when you left? Well, Spokane didn't offer me a Japanese program, mm, right? Right. And so I could not wait to get into that world. And I, yeah, I, I'm telling you, I wanted to do international corporate law. I wanted to travel. I yeah. had a taste of that as a kid, and I was like, I want to travel, and I want to. And that's not going to happen for me totally. in Spokane. Mm-hmm. And so I got out. Yeah. Um. And then I moved to a big city, Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to a giant city, Tokyo. And I was like, this is too big. Let's go back down to the center, right? <laughs> right. Uh, there was nothing about Spokane uh, that I didn't – there was no, no bad taste. It was just I wanted, I wanted more. Yeah, for sure. I wanted more of a challenge. And then as a parent, you start to realize mm, that totally. maybe let's start to think of things differently, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just a different point of view. Yeah. And it changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a – I mean, I would never – like, I, I would never judge anyone for w- leaving Spokane because to do something better for themselves or anything. Like, I, I, I think Spokane, you know, has its positives, has its mm. negatives. But, like, if my children decided someday, like, I want to go live. My son is, loves K-pop. He's like, I want to go live in Seoul someday, Dad. Yeah, yeah. And I want to be, be in a K-pop band. I'm like, do it, dude. Like, I'm like... <laughs> Like, like you want to become an actor and you want to live in L.A., go do it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I I, very much think that, like, Spokane has a lot to offer, but it also is, you know, it, it's not for someone who don't want to become humongous, you know? Yeah. Like, you, it, it, sometimes Spokane is too small to, like, hold you, hold that type of power in, you yeah. know? <laughs> well, and it, another thing is COVID actually was was this great aha moment for me because mm. my wife and I realized that we don't have to be in Seattle to work. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I travel with with my speaking and mm-hmm. modeling and, and such. And Zoom was a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and just being able to realize that, make that connection, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, you're a great dad for thinking like that. To, <laughs> like let them spread their wings. Totally. Spokane was like the best I, I had a great life. Mm. I, I my hippie my hippie parents were crazy. Yeah, but I had such a great foundation yeah. growing up here, and I have no qualms. But when you say your you mentioned this in your book about like your parents being hippies, like how like were they really hippies? Like oh, were they, they were hippies? They, <laughs> yeah, hippies. Oh yeah, they uh, they had a, a, a Volkswagen van, mm. Santa Cruz, and you know they they had all their same friends and. It was just, uh, it was a great community for me to grow up in, yeah. right? And I would go to like communes and. Have I was gonna say, did, you, did, right. did, they, did they were they part of any communes? <laughs> no, just like <laughs> that. My dad was always like the uh, the helper of everyone, mm. right? And we lived in the city, obviously, in, on yeah. the South Hill. But I, I was definitely farmed out, mm. right? And uh, growing up, uh, water and pot plants at different places and stuff. <laughs> so I was like, you look back, it's pretty funny, like the that lifestyle is- that I had. That's that is funny. So you know, you mentioned you've, after college and being in Japan, and you so you worked, so you worked for Starbucks and Mitsubishi. Yeah. And what did you do for them? Just marketing. Just marketing. Yep. Okay. On the international side. Yeah. And uh, then I I came back and but like I like I said, my goal was to learn business Japanese. Yeah. Okay. And then to work in a Japanese environment, mm-hmm. business environment, and then to train in, in karate. Yeah. And judo. And I, I hit those. And when I got back, I was just like, you know, Japan wasn't the, the mm. country that was going to take over the world. All of a sudden, Chinese became such a huge thing. And totally. I was like, oh, maybe I missed the boat on that one, right? <laughs> but I still, I go back to Japan. I love, I have a host families there, and I That's absolutely awesome. love it. So 
when you started train being a trainer in karate, uh, <laughs> I, you said it right. I, I, you, I, I, you I did. did it right. I just, I, it's just one of those things. Like you say it. It's like yeah. um saying when people say Barcelona correctly, mm-hmm. and you're. It's just like I always just you laugh. I at laugh it. at like, myself yeah. when I say it. Um, so. How, let's talk about your mentor mentors. Like mm-hmm. so, Roby R. Reed was mm-hmm. really a big part of your life. He was your he. You talk about him in, in your book mm-hmm. and and what did was this before? Where did you meet him at? Like so where did this, my parents introduced me? Okay, to this him is his, in Spokane. As eight years old. Okay, yeah, I was in Spokane, and I believe that our success is based on each and every connection that we make. Mm. Okay, I mean, think about it for just a minute. Yeah, and think about all the people who helped get you to where you are. Yeah. Right? Whether that's your wife, whether that is your your a boss or someone who helped you get into podcasting yeah. or uh in in school a teacher, a mentor, a boss, you know, a leader, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that these people help us achieve a greater you. Yeah. Right? And the good ones are able to connect with you mm-hmm. on a on a real basis, right? Yeah. And when that's that two-way street, people say all the time, I I I guess have you heard, um, if you want to be successful, surround yourself around successful people? Yep. Right? That's true. And I do believe that. Mm-hmm. But if it was really true, if I hung out with Jeff Bezos, <laughs> I'd be an automatic billionaire, right? Right. But that's not true, right? right. There has to be a catalyst or a cause. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is it's the ability to relate to them. Yeah. Okay? A two-way street. Respect, yeah. emulation, love, admiration, trust, and have empathy with that person. Mm-hmm. And if you have some part of that combination, mm. that is what makes an extraordinary relationship. Because then people really care about you. Mm-hmm. They want you to succeed. They want to teach you how to avoid mistakes. They want you to to grow, right? Yeah. And that's what a great mentor is. And so he was the first person that absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Uh, and then all along the way, whether it was uh, uh, other martial arts instructors mm-hmm. um, or whether it was my a finance mentor that I had mm. or a teacher that I had, People change my life mm. for the better. Yeah, and who like who are some others? Like, I I'm, what I'm getting at is like what led you to become like a a, a keynote speaker and a coach, mm-hmm. and then write your book some four. Like, mm-hmm. like I feel like, I mean, obviously, like karate like got you into all this, but like, but now there's like, I mean, now that's just like. A part of it. It's yeah. not even like there's so much more to it than that. Like, so who else was a part of shaping that and helping you grow? One of my one of my greatest uh, influencers is, and he's here. And if I mentioned his name, you'd probably beat me up like I used to. Um, but he would, he would, he was about five years older than I was, and mm. he would push me, right? Mm. And he was like my foreman at my and when I worked construction, and he was just like this big brother, and he was like this guy who would always push me to be greater. Mm. He. Uh, he would teach me how to, you know, gain that confidence to go up to a girl and ask her for a number, mm. right? And it's like that was a stepping stone, and totally. I believe that our life is based on these stepping stones. And he was a major influence to me, and I, I shout out to him all the time. I had different martial arts instructors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had a, uh, it, which leads me to my book. Basically, my my dad and my martial arts instructor died in the same month. Oh wow! Uh, about four years ago, and when they died, I started diarying down certain things. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I kind of had like this, this a book, like a self-help book, yeah. because it was all these life lessons and habits that I'd learned from both of them, yeah. how to treat people, how not to treat people, you know? 
And my wife was my biggest influence mm. on all of that. And yeah. so you talk about a mentor, she is way better than me <laughs> and everything. Yeah. And she would push me, right? And so it, she was one of those mentors that I would learn from as well. And so mm. I just started writing down and I was, I was coming up with all these ideas and I all of a sudden had a book. And one of my uh, great mentors, who's a New York Times bestselling author in Seattle, he told me, I gave my book to an editor, yeah, and they gave it back to me like a candy cane. It was this white packet with <laughs> all these red lines. Yeah. And he told me, he goes, Blue, do you want to be a writer mm. or a wannabe writer? Because hmm. if you want to be a wannabe writer, you're done. If you want to be a writer, take what they said or they wrote down and scribbled and change. Because if you're not willing to make that change, you're not going to go anywhere. Because if they didn't understand it, the audience isn't going to understand right. it. Right. And that was a gut punch to me. Mm -hmm. And so I did it again. And for three years, I did it so over you, and over. So you wrote this book yep. over and, and over again. Yep. And finally came back to me clear. Yeah. And uh, there was this book. And then the hardest – and then the book kind of took off, mm. right? And what was funny is that uh, it, the hardest part of writing the book mm -hmm. was coming up with a name. <laughs> and it – this is my aha moment because one of the things that made me successful as a personal trainer was, uh, as I mentioned, like my ability to connect with someone, right? Right. How do I find what your goal is and how do I get you there? What mm -hmm. is your love language? Yeah. What is your currency? What is going to get you to do things? Mm -hmm. What is going to get you to move a mountain, right? Mm -hmm. And make you do things that you didn't know you could do and mm -hmm. you didn't want to do, right? Right. And so how do you find that? And this martial arts instructor in, in, in Tokyo, he was a young guy. He, uh, I was a black belt at the time. I was probably second or third degree. And every time I would kick a front kick, I would land hard with that front foot. Mm. Like you snap it and it comes down. Yeah. And it's not supposed to be like that. But I would do it. And I did it for 20 years. I was just like, snap, it's bam, bam, bam. Because when all the weight's on your front foot when you land, you can have it swept out. Mm. And it's, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a weakness. Totally. And so people over the years, including my instructor here, would tell me, relax, fall into it, uh, land like an, a butterfly, try to mm. imagine something, or like relax your quad, and nothing was working. Mm -hmm. And then this instructor in Japan, in Japanese, by the way, he said, Blue, think of yourself as a sunny side up egg. Your base is white, and it doesn't move, mm -hmm. whereas your appendages are the yellow yolk, and they're yeah. flexible and malleable, and they can move. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he did that, and he said that, I performed it, and I landed it softly. Huh. And that's all it took. It was this one instructor. Yeah. He, he wasn't saying anything different than anybody else. Right. But he was, he was able to unlock that key yeah. or that door for me that I had never heard for 20 years. Totally. And so it was an aha moment for me where I was like, how do we get – how did that person connect with me? Hmm. And I, I was like – I started using that as, a, as an instructor, as in a teacher, yeah. and I use it as I speak now, is that we all get to four differently, yeah. right? Like two plus two might be four for you, and mm -hmm. five minus one might be four for somebody else. Yeah. But as a teacher or as a mentor, it's my job to help you find how you get to four. Mm. And so it was just this like little gimmick thing that I started using that I was like, huh. oh, you know, how do you get to four? Let's find out how you get to four. Gotcha. Because there is a way to get there. And in math and science, that's called equifinality which basically means that there's multiple, if not infinite, ways of achieving a certain result. Yeah. It might take longer to get there. It might cost more. It might be uh, more painful. But the point is that you can get there. Right. You just have to find how you do that. And so then I was like, well, it's got to be called the sum of four. Right. we all get to four differently. Huh. And so the that, faster you learn to get there, the better. So, the, I mean, so there's the four, I mean, I, I, 
don't know if you call them pillars, but it's mentor, develop, execute, and succeed. Mm-hmm. And and I guess I should ask like, I, so I and I I'm, I'm going to admit to everyone here, and I've already admitted this to Blue that I have not read the book, and um, my plan is to have Blue back on the podcast to talk through the book again. Just and I'm going to because I wanted because you have there's I mean you have. You have work in here for me to do, and, right? It's and, kind of a little workbook, and there, and I and I like that about, but I like, what is it about the book that, ha, that, sparked like the, a change in someone that you that has read it or like what yeah like, how did you know you had something like I know like you can say something to yourself, a hundred ways and you could tell your wife and they're like oh yeah this this is great this is great like but like. How did you know that this was actually going to succeed? Uh, well, I had to have the support of okay. my wife because she was like, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but people would always ask me, like, how is it that you navigate now? Yeah. How is it that you can always find – why is it that when you set a goal, you achieve it? Mm-hmm. And it's because somewhere in between A and B, I have failed and failed and failed and failed, and I've just always been able to get back up and, and do it. Mm-hmm. And so um, – when I started writing these things down, I realized that I had been using these this formula hmm. the entire time I had taught. Yeah, the entire time I I started a business as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get into that, um, but it, I just started using this little formula mm-hmm. when I was uh, uh, when I went to Libby. Um, I didn't like I don't like chocolate. Mm. It's not like I'm allergic to it or anything. Yeah. Like I'll blow up like Hitch right. or something like that. But I just don't like chocolate. And when you go to school, you have three chi- kinds oh, of milk, right? You yeah. have the red kind, the, the blue kind, and the brown kind. And everybody wanted the brown kind. I, I didn't. Yeah. And so a kid offered me 50 cents for it, or maybe it was a quarter at the time. And uh, I was like, well, all right, I'll take that, right? And so <laughs> but let's forget for a minute that my parents actually paid for that milk, right? <laughs> right. right? And so uh, in the 80s, sports cards were like the phenomenal. Totally, right? yeah. Everybody collected them. Everybody had them. Everybody had to bring them to school, this mm-hmm. and that. And so I went to uh, the, a gas station on my way because I walked to school mm-hmm. both hill, uh, both both ways uphill. Um, <laughs> no, you time. really I mean you were that is I, a, re- that's I a lived walk. on the end, the end <laughs> of uh, when I went to Libby. I I was I think I was a block shy oh, okay. of riding the bus. Okay. okay, and so I had to walk. Yeah, uh, but I would always pass this convenience store down there by Freya, and <laughs> I bought a pack of baseball cards for fifty cents or twenty five cents, whatever it was at the time. And uh, then I went to school, and we were sitting at lunch, and this kid offered me you know, 50 cents for my chocolate milk. And then another kid saw that I had a pack of cards, and he had, didn't bring his cards to school. And he was like, hey, can I, can I buy that pack for you? And mm. I was like, sure. And he offered me 75 cents. So I did that. I didn't need those cards right then. And then on my way to school the next day, I bought three packs of cards. Right. And then I sold my chocolate milk again. And then I did it again. And then by day like twelve, I was making eighty bucks a day, sixty to eighty bucks a day. What? And I <laughs> had to hit multiple stores, and I was selling sports cards out of my locker, and it was super successful. Yeah. Until the principal caught wind of what I was doing, he was like, "Blue, it's not only drugs and stuff. You can't sell out of your locker. You can't sell anything out of your locker." Oh man, what a what it a buzzkill! It was a buzzkill. <laughs> but uh, so it was that point in my life where I was like, "Well." Okay, what do I do? Yeah. And so a mentor of mine told me and, and took me down to Spokane, and I got my first business license. And mm-hmm. then I started doing all the trade shows, all the, the, the card shows, which were so popular. Oh, really? Right? Oh, yeah, every wow. hotel would have them. They'd bring in sports stars, you know, and they do autographs yeah. and stuff. And uh, so I started 
uh, selling sports cars. My mom would drive me there, and I would sell them. And I was a kid selling oh to other kids. You're buying baseball cards wholesale, wholesale, and then selling them. That's amazing. <laughs> and then all my friends at school would give me their cards, and I would sell them on commission at the car at the show. <laughs> That's awesome. And I made so much money at it. And I, uh, my mom totally supported me until she got tired of driving me around <laughs> and my, my grades started to slip. And she was like, all right. So I got out of it. But I got out of it right before the bottom fell out oh. under ba- baseball cards. Yeah. But I made enough to pay for my entire college education. Holy cow. At 14 years old. And then I still have enough uh, of all those cards to pay for my kids. That's education. not in the book? That is in the book. Oh, that is a book. (laughs) so it was just, it was this great story. And that's kind of, that was my entrepreneurial introduction. Yeah. That was from a mentor who told me, you know, you can quit or you can join the adult world. Yeah. And so I was a kid selling to other kids. I had no overhead, no uh, bills, nothing, no employees. And I was able to undercut all the adults totally. in the show. And I had all of these cards come in and yeah. I just, I raked it. It was uh, awesome. Did you, did you, did you even care about the cards? <laughs> I, you know, I, it's funny. I, I open them up and anything I, I believe after like 78 or 79 is worthless now. I'm, and I think now they're coming back. They yeah. Have, they have new I, premium ones. But, Cause they used to, well, they used to not, they just print a thousand, thousands millions. of them. They, they, and there was no like, yeah. And, yeah, regulation. I mean, there's, on them. It's that the whole card craze now. I think it's kind of it's fizzled a little bit. Um, I met a guy down in LA who is in the NFTs and in the trading cards. Yeah, and but now trading cards like they are so like some of them are so rare that like they're worth they're already worth yeah a couple thousand dollars well, when Pokemon they come out of cards. Yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, it's all. I, yeah, it's it's it's. Pretty cool, uh, but well, currently I, I collect vintage Star Wars. Oh, okay. Well, I like I love mock Star Wars toys. Yeah, like Darth Vader, the twelve backs. Like, but I'm an Empire guy. It's all about being the Empire. Huh? Uh, did you did you go down to uh, Lilac City Comic Con? You know, uh, I actually uh, I did on uh, Sunday. The parking was horrendous during yeah. down there, and we had just come over there. And I actually you you had Nathan O'Brien on your yeah your, your mm-hmm. podcast, and I reached out to him and I uh, wanted to do. A, being new to the, the area again. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I speak. I, mm-hmm. I speak to uh, enterprises and corporations and individuals and such. And so uh, I asked if he needed some help or anything like that. And then I actually stumbled upon you because of that. Okay. So, oh, oh. as a result, I, I, I did that. But um, nice. <laughs> no, I, I love the Comic-Cons. My, yeah. You talk about magic with kids. Mm-hmm. My kids really believe that they know Darth Vader. And the reason <laughs> is, is that uh, I've befriended a lot of the members of the 501st Legion. Yeah. Right. And so they would come to our house and deliver mail That's or awesome. like, like food and stuff and like come over a family night. And it, it was awesome. We'd go to the, the Indi- we're going to go to the Indians game uh, Star oh, Wars nice. night here in a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, but my, my kids are just uber Star Wars fans as well. That's cool. Um, but it's this magic. Right, mm-hmm. so when they they really believe mm-hmm. that Darth Vader is Darth Vader, right? Totally. And, uh, but until we went down to Disneyland, is when my daughter kind of finally realized oh, that it's like Santa, uh, Santa Claus. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> "Why don't you know me?" Right? Because in oh. the Mariners, all this, all the uh, the characters are like, "Hi, Hayden. How are you, Hayden?" And she's like, "Hi, guys. Hi, guys." Right? But in <laughs> Disneyland, she was like, "Remember when you came?" And he didn't answer. So, it was like, oh. Oh. so it was a little little Santa Claus movement for sure. But it, it the other thing is I, I I know Ray Park who is uh, uh, Darth Maul. Yeah, I was gonna uh, I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so he would give a shout out to to my daughter and you know like awesome. give her little things and stuff and he's like your dad's cool and awesome and this and that and she's like why does he not look 
like he does on film, right? <laughs> and so it, that was another another aha moment for her where she was like, is that a person? Or a, yeah, yeah. You know, Ray Park is a real guy. Uh, did uh, did you meet him through martial arts? Yeah, I met him at uh, originally at a, at one of the Star Wars conventions. Oh, okay. Um, and then he and I both train in, in similar styles and such, and we just have a lot of commonality background mm. and such. And his uh, his wife's a huge gymnast, so they're super uber fitness oriented, mm-hmm. and. Um, he, I'm, I'm not going to lie, between him and Boba Fett are up there on my favorites. Oh, I, I, this is, I mean, I'm going to ask this and it's not, I'm not going to cut it, but like, how do you, how do you feel about all of the, the Star Wars content we've been getting over the last four years and, and oh. the Disney, Disney plus I'm right. a, I'm a Star Wars nerd, and, okay. but I'm okay. not like, I'm like super deep into it. Like, but I watch everything that comes out. Like sure. I, I get very excited about it. It's like, and it's just like, I, I just want all more and more content. <laughs> well, we we go to every Star Wars convention. Oh, okay. And my my cousins and and I love her for this has married a man who loves Star Wars and it's just kind of awesome. cool. That's another connection. Yeah. My wife by default has to like it, but we hit all the conventions and so we we really do love Star Wars. And I I've introduced Hayden, who's my eight year old. She uh, she loves it. Yeah. And I am not a fan of seven eight nine. It it hurts to watch. Mm. It does. Um, one through three has its it has Maul, and I I love that. That's the best part of it. Yeah. Um, I really liked Rogue One. Yeah. I loved um, Andor. Uh, Andor's it blew great. It's me away. so the good. Music and mm. the score behind that, and there's there's a jail break scene, and then mm. at the end. I, I was born in 1977. And okay. If you're a Star Wars fan, that is like the year to be born, right? Totally. And if I could have named my son Darth, I probably would have. But yeah. my wife was like, no, you need to name him Dax, <laughs> right? And it's just, I, it's been such a pop culture piece of my life, mm. right? Yeah. And it, I love being able to see it. And when Andor, the one of the final episodes, when there's the hologram of the lady speaking, have mm. you finished Andor? Yeah. And when she's speaking and she's like, you've got to rise up against the empire i still get goosebumps yeah. because that is like as a kid i wanted to be luke skywalker i wanted to be han solo and yeah. it's like that buying the toys and playing with the toys kids now have no idea how lucky they are they have all the the game oh, switch totally, and, yeah. and you give us one little green army guy and we were fine for hours <laughs> totally, right yeah. and i was the same way with gi joe guys uh-huh. and um with uh uh with star wars guys and i G.I. Joe had Storm Shadow, the, the Cobra Ninja, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a ninja. And so that's like, that was what I pictured every single time I went in a martial arts class. That's awesome. And uh, uh, Star Wars was the exact same way. And it was mm-hmm. such an emotional draw on me. And I just, I love it. So I still get giddy. Mm. I still get giddy yeah. if I see somebody in a Stormtrooper outfit. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I wanted to circle back when you were talking about um, your entrepreneurial skills as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a junior hire. Yeah. Uh, and when you, and you're talking about how like this was always inside of you, the sum of four, like, and how that from life lessons, like you've, you found this. And, that, and what I wanted to ask about that is, do you think that everyone has like this type of thing inside of them? Not like, like I, not because when you said that, I was just like, I was like, what is it about success that like, it's so hard to untap mm-hmm. like in this, like I feel like everyone has that success in them, but you know, some of them don't find it. Uh, 
And I mean, and I found some success, but like, I'm like, I don't think I could write a book about it. You know, like, when did you know that you could do that when you could write a book about it? Uh, I had a coach who helped me and I had a friend I had mentioned, uh, Boyd Morrison, actually, he, he was a uh, ghostwriter for Clive Cussler and he has his own line of different books now. And, uh, Mm. you know, he held, he he held my hand. Yeah. Um, And so I, I believe that every one of us is unique. Yeah. We all have talents. We all have some kind of something that is interesting, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, you can prove that by watching TikTok videos. You're like, why are we watching somebody unwrap something, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a talent. That's a uniqueness. And so, yes, every single person has something. We all have stories. We mm-hmm. all have knowledge. We all have experience. We're all special. Yeah. And that's what makes us so special, right? And so when, when I wrote this, I was like, it will mean something to every single person differently. Mm. If you read this today, when yeah. your kids are in high school and college, it's going to read something different for you. Yeah. You're going to get something else out of it. And it's a timeless book, mm. right? Like how you're doing it right out of high school, how you're getting it right out of college, uh, what when you're at the end of life, it's going to mean something differently mm. to you. And so success, you have to, what is success to you? You have to define that. Right. And success to me is different than it is for you. Right. Success to me might be being able to have dinner with my kids every single night. Yeah. Being able to have the ability to, to pick up my kids from school. Mm. Right. Success might be my ability to buy whatever I want. Yeah. Right. And not have any qualms about that. Success might be uh, I'm famous and everybody knows who I am on every magazine cover with my shirt off. Yeah. I have no idea. Right. Like right. what is success? What to is you? success? Yeah. And so. I've always had a unique way of revealing people's strengths, mm. right? Because when you come and train with me, mm-hmm. as a as when I was a personal trainer, I could find the good about you. It's like you have abs. Let's find how you get to your abs. Right. If you want a, a shoulders that are stronger, let's find how you get there. Let's mm-hmm. find the way that you can get there. Mm-hmm. And so it's you do. I'm just revealing what you have underneath you. Yeah. And that's what a good coach or a good mentor does. Mm-hmm. And when when I speak now, because I got out of the uh, the training business just to, to speak based on the book, because people started telling me like, oh my God, I got this out of this book. I got mm-hmm. this gem. This resonated with me. Yeah. I could completely relate to this as a parent. I could completely relate to this because I got fired. I could relate to this because COVID, I thought, destroyed my life and I had no money and I felt lazy. I had a, a shoulder surgery and I couldn't work anymore. What am I going to do? Mm. People get gems out of that book. And when people from all walks of life would comment on it and, mm. and call me or reach out to me, they're like, I had no idea that this would speak to me that way. Yeah. And so that's when I knew that I was like, okay, I have something special. Yeah. Right. I have a, uh, I have a, a message or a gift to give to people. Mm-hmm. And I love when moms like will reach out to me and like, I had no idea how to talk to my kid and mm. your, your, your section on, on how to find their currency was mm. really important. My, so huh. I was at 16, I rebelled against my mom. Like mm. I, I thought she was she was horrible. I thought that my parents divorced because of my mom. I was mad at her. Mm. I was just this mean little kid, right? Yeah. And I uh, I uh, went and lived with my dad uh, for two weeks out of a hotel, which was real fun, by the way. After they had divorced <laughs> when I was twelve, and uh, I was just so mad and bitter at my mom. And but karate was my savior, right? Mm. Like I, my martial arts school was like everything to me, and so. I went to class one night, and as I arrived, I, I always made a point of being the first one there. Mm. And when I got off the bus, I looked, and I was like, 
there's somebody there already. And I was like kind of a little disappointed that I wasn't first there. And as I walked through and I walked in, it was my mom oh. sitting with my martial arts instructor. And uh, he looked at me and he says, go get dressed. And that was the longest walk from the door all the way to the back room. And people started coming in and I got dressed really slow and I came out and my mom was no longer there. And I knew that I was going to get talked to. And that was the longest hour and a half class of my entire life. And when it was done, everyone left and I knew we were going to have this talk. And I sat down next to him like a little boy with a lunchbox, but it was my gi, my bag on me. And I was just so scared. And he was like, you will never speak to your mom that way again mm. and treat her like that. And if you do, you're never to come back here. Wow. So you make the decision. And I stood up and I had already made the decision before my butt left that chair. <laughs> and my mom was Mother Teresa from that point on. Mm. And to this day, I comment on on how what a great strategic move that was because she found my currency. Oh. She found what was most important to me mm -hmm. and and threatened it. Yeah. And threatened it. She didn't threaten it. It was my the person I respected. Right. And that father figure to me yeah. brought his A game. <laughs> and that's all it took. And it was just that one little one little thing. And so it's like when people reach out, and there's so many stories in this. Yeah. Because I believe storytelling helps everybody learn, yeah. right? And it, it brings a message across. And that that's just one where people are like, oh, I loved that story. I, I love how you dealt with the bully. I love how you did this. I love that. And it's it's really great when people comment on something. That's totally. Like, this is the favorite part of my book. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't mine, but good for <laughs> you, you know, because that's what resonated. Totally. When you go and do public speaking and you do keynotes, yeah. uh, is, it, is it like a, I mean, I imagine it's different. Like, do you have like, day-long sessions you have or is it always just like an hour session like yeah they, what, 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 yeah go ahead oh they're different so yeah uh, most keynotes are uh, now they're they're kind of shorter they're 30 45 yeah. minutes right mm -hmm. and um if you're the lead then it can be up to an hour or yeah whatever. sometimes they used to be 90 minutes i do a lot of workshops mm -hmm. uh with with companies and such working with execs and and things on how to better connect mm -hmm. um and I have several speeches that I do. Yeah. And one of those is the power of the three C's or okay. the three C's. And that is connecting community and uh, collaborations. Yeah. And that formula, making real extraordinary connections and relationships with people, and then taking those, all of a sudden you become this great community of all the people that are around you that help you, mm -hmm. right? And then you start to collaborate with each other and you help each other out. Hmm. Um, and, and so I help individuals and businesses realize the advantage of making those real genuine connections. Yeah. Whether it's a customer or whether it's a colleague or whether it's a hierarch person, it's like if you can connect with people, that's what brings out the synergy. That's yeah. what brings out the best of everybody. And if you get along with people and you have common ground, I mean, that's the answer to success for business and personal. Right? Yeah, for sure. Because people I mean, want you to succeed. I mean, so Spokast is part of a co-op. Mm -hmm. And so we, I'm part, there's multiple other businesses in here. And uh, I will say, like, that is something that would be great to, to like, the, the those three C's is, like, something that I feel like every organization needs to have. Because if you don't have that as an organization, you're kind of lost. And and I think, you, I mean, I, yeah, that's really, that's powerful. And, like, I mean, and when you get in, like, selling your book, The Summer, Summer Four, is, very similar to like when you were a kid selling baseball cards, like you have 45 minutes to give someone a nugget yeah. to then buy your book. Right. Like, right. And, I, and I, I'm not like trying to cheapen it all, but like 
but that's the point of it, right? Like, no, no. Well, I, I mean, and that, well, not the point of it. But like, it's like I, I even mentioned this in the book that the reason I'm writing this book isn't to become a millionaire. No, right? right. It, no, no, no. Because it takes a lot of books to become. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. Um, it, it's. I wanted it to pass on. Mm. I wanted stories so my kids could see a part of me, gotcha. and that was really the the basic. It was I. I, I was diarying yeah. based off of what my dad and, and my martial arts instructor had given me. And I just was like, man, there's so much here. I want to teach my kids these same yeah. lessons that I was taught. And from all of these mentors in my life, all these great influences in my life, mm. and share these messages through stories. Because there's funny, there's heartache, there's tears, there's pain, and then there's success, and there's overcoming, and there's challenges. And it's like, I wanted to be able to share that. So the main reason mm. was to help my kids. Totally. No, I love that. I mean, that's, I, that's one of the reasons I podcast is like I, I have all these podcasts that I'm going to leave behind. And if I was to die tomorrow, I would have left all of this audio for my children to 100%. listen to. Um, and, and I think that it is so important to have something to be able to pass on to your your children and to your grandchildren and to yeah. even your, your family and, and, and everyone else that wants to take it in. Like, uh, and I, and I don't mean it in like, you have to sell this book to survive or anything. It's more like there, it, there is a pitch there, but like when it, when the pitch comes as being so, or not organic, but, um, what's the natural. word of, natural. Yeah. Like yeah. when it feels when, then it's so much more powerful yeah, than well, trying to be well, sold. A hundred percent. And it's uh, it's the same when, when I speak. It's like it you want more mm. after the speech, right? Totally. And, yeah. and the, it's I'm giving information. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Because Simon Sinek mentioned one time uh, on one of his his interviews, he was like, a good speaker is someone who shares a message and doesn't care what they're getting back. Mm. I would do it for free. Mm, yeah. uh, and and I don't do it for free because I get paid and it's great and yeah. it's, it's an awesome thing, but I would do it for free yeah. because it's so fun. Mm -hmm. Teaching people is fun. That is, that's my natural thing that I've, I've kind of fallen into. Mm. And when I give those nuggets and I see that change, yeah. you know, when I see someone cry in front of me mm. while I'm speaking, they're like, oh my God, I'm like, whoa, that's power. Yeah. And so it's these nuggets and, and whether I sell the book or not, it's, that's, yeah. that's part of it. But it's like, I want to share a message and I want people to get something out of it, mm -hmm. right? And I believe in, like, if I'm giving you something, the reward is going to come back to me mm -hmm. in some way or another, whether it's financial or whether it's you giving me a review or you say, oh, my God, Blue Styley changed my life. Totally. Right? And because I can ask you now, can you name three people who completely changed your life? Mm. Right? And you would we had talked about this earlier about who influenced you, who mentored you, right? And those people that change your life, do they know? That they've mm. changed your life, and have you told them? Yeah, right. And that's that's important because maybe they don't know. No, that's I, true. It's funny when you, that you say that because when I was coming into this this interview, I I was writing a text and I didn't finish it because I had another text I had to go to. But I was in the process of texting my old coach and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm interviewing a coach," uh, and I was wanted to just thank you for preparing me for this interview because I know how to talk to a coach because yeah. of the lessons you taught me. And, and I think he does know, but I don't know if my, I don't know if my wife knows mm -hmm. my, I mean, my wife probably gets the least amount of credit for my success and she's the only one that probably deserves it. <laughs> and, and that, I mean, and that, and that, yeah, 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 I should just tell her. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. I, I, 
usually end a lot of speeches with a, a call to action. Yeah. And that is to think of someone who has absolutely changed your life and mm. got you to where you are. Yeah. And let them know mm. because they might not know. Yeah. And tell me about it. You know, tell me how it went. If it went well, tell me about it. If, mm. if it went strange, then I want to hear about that. And if, yeah. it, if it went bad, then call someone else totally. and find another person, right? Mm. But I want to know these stories because people influence us and they change our lives. And mm. I truly believe that the world owes mm. us nothing. The world owes us yeah. nothing. But we owe it to ourselves to be better, mm. right? And each person in this world, anyone and everyone is willing to help. Mm. if you were willing to ask for that help. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't think that they, they should do it themselves and this that. People want to help people. Mm-hmm. And so when I speak or when somebody reads my book, it's helping. Yeah. And so many people did it to me. It's just another way to give back in, in all seriousness. That's, I love that. I, uh, I, I, I want to ask one last question about the yeah. book. As I as I get into it, I'm definitely going <laughs> to read it now. Uh, Busted. Yeah, do you but, remember that in school? Busted. Yeah, but... What, like as I dive de- dive into it, like what, how? I mean, obviously, I'm going to start from the beginning, but like, like what did what do you tell people when they're about to read your book? Like, is there any like some is there something that you tell someone like I'm hand, like if you hand this book to someone cold, yeah, like what do you tell them? Uh, usually, something along the lines of like this is a memoir self help book. Okay, okay, it is about me being challenged at eight years old when mm. I was bullied. Yeah, and learning to, uh, uh, I was introduced to my martial arts instructor. Mm. It's not a karate book. It's not a judo book. If you don't love Star Wars and you don't love karate, you don't have to, uh, you're still going to enjoy the book. Um, But it's basically about the power of connections, Mm. the power of mentorship, and how when you make those real extraordinary connections with people, Mm. you then have a lot of those people around you. Right. And then all of those people, when they really care about you, all of a sudden start helping you. Mm. And that's that, that's that catalyst. Yeah. Right. That is that secret sauce that we need to be successful because you can't do everything yourself. Mm. You don't know everything, right? You stop, you don't stop learning the day you leave school. Right. Right. Life is a classroom. Yeah. And the sooner you understand that and you surround yourself around people that know how to help you and want to help you, Mm. that's the secret. Yeah. That is the absolute secret. And it, I am just like, I learn every single day. Mm. And I have a, a mentors that are around me, people that influence me every single day. Yeah. And because we're always growing, right? And we all have stories and knowledge and experience to share with people. Mm. And man, I want to learn. Yeah. I want to, I want to lap it up. Yeah. I love that. When you get into like a relationship with someone, like whether it be in a mentor relationship or into a mentee relationship like or even to like a person that like i don't know if i should even spend any time with this person like it like how do you discern do you is it uh, do you can you can you usually tell when you meet someone like i this person is worth my time or this per or do you do you give them a benefit of the doubt (laughs) that's that's a that's a very that's a very like Loaded question. Making <laughs> making re- connections is hard. Like, yeah. I mean, it is hard. But the more you practice it, yeah. the better you get at it, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't take a lot of effort to right. put yourself. Like, I could say, hey, I love your hat, right? right? Or, hey, I love your shirt, right? And it's just that connection or getting to know you on a deeper level, mm. right? Like, why? what's your favorite color? Purple. Purple. Why? Because of Spokane. 
because of Spokane, a lilac city. Yep. Right? I thought you were going to say Grimace. Um, <laughs> right? That's very popular right now, isn't so, it? <laughs> there's a reason that it's that it's purple. Yeah. Right. If I start to peel that layer of your onion back, I start to realize who you are on a deeper level, mm. and I then start to connect with you. Yeah. Right. And so the ability to have that connection on that deeper level is really kind of that secret piece. Yeah. And so. I, I I try not to hang out with Eeyores is what I call them. people right. who are just uber negative. It's like, oh uh, my gosh, like, oh, life sucks. And like this, I mean, life is happy camper, yeah. right? And I'm too much of an optimist. My wife mm. calls me Ted Lasso all the time. I'm like, <laughs> all right. And so it's like, how is it that you uh, you look at life? And it's like, when I see people who are real sad, it's like, maybe I can help them. Yeah. You know, and so I try to give them that benefit of the doubt. And I, I start to ask them the questions. I start to... Well, it's about, I mean, well, what it really is too is about being able to small talk. Mm-hmm. And I, this is like, this is probably my worst qualities. I'm, I am, I get so anxious when I have to small talk with someone. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I just don't know how to, I don't know how to have that, that first question because it's usually like, and like, and that, that's when I'm like, well, now I have a coach here. Like, what, what is it? Like, how do you start a conversation with someone that you don't know? So you, the, the best, number one, What's the most important word? Hello? Your name. Oh, right. like in your name. If you realize <laughs> right. that, that it's your name and you remember someone's name, that's that's a big thing. Yes. Right? And my name happens to be a wow factor. Yes. Oh, Whenever true. someone hears my name, they're like, and they do that double take. They're totally. Like, what? Did you say blue? Yeah. And people usually will reply with, you're my boy, blue. <laughs> or they'll say, that's a unique name. Yeah. Right? It's a wow factor. Yeah. And so that immediately starts to mm. pull back all layers. And totally. it's like, here we go. Let's start connecting. Because yep. you can say anything you want about my name, and I've heard it all. So yep. it doesn't matter. But one lady did hit me up uh, about 10 years ago. She had, I, uh, as a, when I was modeling this job, I had these kids. And the, one of the moms turned to me, and she goes, what's your last name? Crayon? And I was like, gosh. No, but in my at that time I was probably thirty five. I was like, I've never heard that. So blue crayon. But uh, no, it's it, when, when you meet. Small talk is hard. Yeah, but it's like a fire. Yep. If you can continuously add kindling to that fire, it doesn't take that much. It doesn't take, it's true because like you, my name is not very memorable. I mean, because people always get it mixed mistaken with Brendan. Yeah, Brandon, and then Brendan with an A or whatever, and then. But I will say my superpower of conversations is, is me, immediately when I say I'm a podcast producer or, and that I have my own podcast, that's where it does, like, that's when people are interesting. Sure. Interested. Because uh, my wife is an accountant mm-hmm. and nobody ever wants to. I, I did accounting in, in, at Utah. <laughs> my, my, and Yikes. no one ever wants to like, right. like, oh, what, like. No, but we, uh, we're yeah, all interesting. But we're all interesting. Right, we exactly. Are. You know, we really my wife are. is super interesting. But I, it is funny. Like, that is. That is what it is. It's like, but that's, I and I hate that part of it too because like I don't want to be the person because I love this is why I podcast is I love talking to people and learning about them, uh, but I I hate having to be the like the talk about myself. Like I love yeah. I mean I love talking about myself, but at the same time like that's not the point of a conversation that I'm trying to have with someone. It, martial arts really taught me like it's not about you yeah right even though it's a self-sport mm. it is like the respect for the person your opponent yeah right? and that's very very important mm. and, and the bow mm. how you bow to someone is very important yeah I, my i bowed incorrectly to my martial arts to, to my opponent my and he picked me up like a hoverboard and dragged me over across uh the mm. way and he laid me down and he goes he not laid me down he, he set me down and he said uh um blue the bow 
is about paying respect to the person that you're about to battle, mm. right? And it shows self-respect for yourself. Yeah. That you respect them just as much as yourself. And so as a kid, I, I, I realized that, that we're all the same, mm-hmm. right? No, you, you might look different. You might have more money. You might have uh, a different car. You might be from here or there. Yeah. We're all the same. Totally. We're all the same. And every single one of us you can learn from. Yeah. And uh, you have something to share, mm. right? So I can learn something from anyone, whether that's an accountant. Mm-hmm. What tips would you give me on my 1099? Right? <laughs> no. Or a podcaster, yeah. right? Uh, how do I speak when, when I'm on camera? Do I sound like happy feet or, or what? Right? <laughs> and so it, I can learn something. Totally. But you can learn from me. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? And so, like, for example, my book, I can... I can give you a life lesson. Mm. I can, this is something that will work for you. Yeah. And so the small talk really, it helps to have the, the wow factor right away. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to connect with this person. Yeah. When people see that I was a personal trainer, they're like, so how do I lose this weight? Right. Yeah. Like, oh, I was the life at the party as I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but, or as a, as a motivational speaker, people are like, okay, give me one nugget. Tell me one thing <laughs> that's going to change my life. You know? And yeah. it's like, oh, the challenge, right? <laughs> What's your name? And it slows things down, mm. right? And it's yeah. like, I, I have the time. Yeah. I have the time. That's so. awesome. I love that. I, I mean, I, I, you ha- I, there's so many stor- more stories to tell. And I like, honestly, like, I'm excited to read it now because like, I feel like the next, co- next conversation is just going to be like... About the summer four. It, it would be about summer four. And it's, yeah. it's going to lead to so much more questions. And I'm, I'm excited for that. I, I love learning. I love... Uh, I think the you know, sometimes what it really is, is like, it's knowing the person that is behind it. Like I can, you can give me a book and say, this is going to change your life. But if I don't, if there's no like passion there, and not saying that there yeah. was no passion there, but like, it's just like, when you know someone like you want to, you want to read it, you want to read it. And yeah. it, it's, it, it, there's so much more well, to it than that. People, yeah. people, when they hear me speak, and, yeah. and like I give a speech and it's recorded, and mm. they, then it's turned off, they hear it and they're like, oh, I picture you yeah. because I know you. Mm. My voice narrates that when people read it. Yeah. Like, oh, I know this guy. This joke is super funny because I know mm. that's how Blue's character is. He's a ham. He like makes fun of himself and he does this and he's... He's goofy, and like, I mean, I do handstands on stage, right? So oh, it's like yeah. I, being yeah. funny, right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't care about failing. And so when people read it, they, it definitely talks to them differently mm. because they, there is a connection. And I think that is important. And any of my friends who are authors, when I read their book, it's definitely them, right? Yeah. And when I hear them speak or something like that. Where did this mean gift? I, I don't want to say gift. I'm going to say gift of gap come from. Like, have you always been able to, like were you always like this? Like, cause like I, that's, or did you train? Did you do improv? Like how did, did where did you I, become so comfortable talking in front of people? So it, it is, I'll, I'll tell you, um, being picked on when I was a kid. Mm, yeah. Uh, was so bad that I started to realize that it was like, well, I'm kind of in the limelight, mm. even though they're making fun of me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's kind of a limelight. And you yeah. talked about, like being able to come back quickly, mm-hmm. I was able to work on that because you hear the same thing every time. You're like, what's a good comeback for that? Yeah. Like, how do I talk myself out of that? And mm. so that kind of taught me early on, like, oh, you know, I can I can speak. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and then uh, with with modeling and acting, it's like you, you do lines. You do, and yeah. so you get up there and you change your personality for who it is. But 
the number one thing for me was when I was taking Japanese at UW, mm. we would have to, uh, to, to give a speech, mm. right? You'd get up and you'd do a, a three minute, five minute, 10 minute speech wow. in a foreign language right, right, in yeah. Japanese. And it was so hard for some people. And I was like, is it really that hard? Why am I nervous? Because mm. people ask me all the time, do you get nervous when you go on stage? And I'm like, yeah, you get butterflies, but it's more of an excitement. Mm. And the reason is because I've I've given this speech so many times mm. that I know it. Yeah. And it's it's about repetition, right? If, if you've given a speech a hundred times, I can I can ad lib, I can go off or whatever. Yeah. And in Japanese class, I knew how to speak mm. because I wanted to learn it so badly. Right? Yeah. Like I wanted to learn. I was like the sponge. I was like, Japanese, Japanese. When some, I was befriending people, I was like, if they ask me a question, this is the reply, right? Yeah. And so when I'm speaking and I'm up on a speech, it wasn't hard. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay. And then every single day when I would teach close quarter combat tactics to classes or classes strength coach yeah. to uh, Olympic athletes that I trained, um, it's like, what is it that I'm doing? I'm just talking mm -hmm. and I'm talking about something that I know really, really well mm -hmm. and they want to learn Yeah, and that's all I do every day. Yeah. I mean, it, it really goes to the 10,000 hours like Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Like, I mean, if, that, if there's one thing I've ever read, it's that. <laughs> I, I like, throw that in the book too. And so, is, and, yeah. and so it is really, cause when I started podcasting, I wasn't that great at it. And I wouldn't say I'm like amazing at it now, but you know, I, I've gotten, I'm getting that 10,000 hours in yeah. and I have definitely become more comfortable talking in front of people and being well, able to You're doing something like, right. Yeah, no, you I, I'm trying to. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, well, last question before the before the really last question is when I go to your website, there's a link on it. Um, it goes to a podcast and so, it says, episodes coming soon. Stay tuned. Yes, <laughs> I love that. That is one of those things where uh, you just haven't gone out to Pavilion Park, right? You talk about it, but you just haven't done it. Right, um, yeah. No, I, uh, I'm working on my brand a lot. Okay. I'm re, uh, reworking my brand because after we moved, we just moved back uh, about a year ago. Yeah. And I'm really hitting the market with with the personal training, or mm. not with personal, with a uh, uh, with my speaking businesses. Yeah. And so I'm transitioning out of that out of that studio that I, I had a personal training studio when we were in Seattle. Mm. And so it's like, oh, okay, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Yeah. And podcasting is on my list next. Okay. And I definitely have it down. I have my goal by writing it down, it's going to happen. Totally. So I have a lot to learn from you. I, I mean, I know someone can help you with it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the question I love to end all of my podcasts with, since this is a, a you know about Spokane and uh, or try to, it's about people in Spokane. Yeah. And you moved back here a year ago. Yeah. Uh, is why Spokane? Just coming to realize what a great community I had had mm. when I was a kid. Yeah. And then being able to give that to my kids now. Yeah. And my wife wanted some property and wanted uh, some space. Uh, it was just, it, I fell back in love with it. Yeah. 100% fell back in love with it. And I, I owe that to my friends and the community here and just the stories, the emotional stories. Like as I'm driving, I spoke at Ferris uh, last year and it was just like, I walk into those halls and I'm like, oh my gosh, this this amazing emotional connection, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And if I go into the Bigfoot Tavern, I'm sure it's up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, you you have this rush of emotion that comes back. And every day I was driving through here, I would like see something. I'm like, man, that used to be this. That used mm -hmm. to be this. And I remember that. That was the first time I ever did this. Yeah. And I can never get that back anywhere else I go. And I've lived 
all over the world. Totally. And I've traveled all over the world. Yeah. And nothing brought it back like Spokane did for me. Totally. I it, I often think to myself, I bummed out that I probably will never move away from Spokane and I'll never get to experience coming back to Spokane. <laughs> Just because like my brother moved away. He lived in Walla Walla, but like he came back every, you know, a couple times a year. But mm-hmm. like even that, he's less like he, he notices things that had changed a lot over the ten years he'd been in Walla Walla. And I'm like, I never really will get that. And I'm and I always I'm kind of jealous of it <laughs> just because it well, does seem like I w- I would love to like leave here for a year and come back and be like, this is why I love Spokane. <laughs> well, I would I would say it's just like with your kids growing up. Yeah. You put them up against a doorknob or mm. not a door and you you measure them. Yeah. And right. And as as we don't see the changes day to day to day to day to day, mm. but they are happening. And then when you quantitatively see it written down, yeah. you start to realize, wow, I am changing. Yeah. Wow, Spokane is growing. Spokane is becoming much more. Mm. And when but the good thing is is that when you are able to do that, mm. you start to appreciate everything that totally. it, that it has to offer. Mm-hmm. And when I came back uh about three years ago was when I we made the decision like let's make this happen. I started to really realize what an impact Spokane had made on me. Yeah. What a foundation that it gave me the emotional connections and the friendships and relationships that I had here and how powerful that was and how it changed my mood. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, Blue, this was such a treat to be able to talk to you and I can't wait for our, our second conversation. And I mean, I, and I'm very excited for what you're going to do here in Spokane and especially part of the community, like being a part of the community. And I, I, Anytime you need anything or any help, like please reach out. It's uh, did you say podcast? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I I would love to help you do that. You definitely have a, a knack for doing that, and I will say anyone that is a a coach needs to have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's just uh, one more avenue. And it's yeah, just one more marketing channel. But uh, again, thank you so much, and thank you very uh, much. thanks for reaching out. This uh, uh, I'm sure this will hopefully change my life. So I, and I I mean that. Truly, so um, well, I can't wait to see you again, and yeah. uh, we'll go over it. And you let me know what you got and what gems you got out of that book. Absolutely. All right, everyone else, thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. Gonna do it like me, cause there ain't nobody like me. Can't nobody do it like me. You ain't seen nothing like me. Wanna love yourself? I said it's all about you and no one else. I said, don't you just wanna love yourself? Let me hear you sing it louder. Don't you just wanna love yourself? I said it's all about you and no one else. I said, don't you just wanna love yourself? Let me hear you sing it louder. Gonna do it like me. This is a production of Spokass Production Studios located in Spokane, Washington. Our city, our stories.
and a big thank you to Jinx Universe for letting us use his song, Like Me, from his latest album, Make It Look Good. Peace.